0: Yes people, what's going down, welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber, let's get into the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 23rd to the 25th of August, at number 10 we got the secret cinema screenings of Casino Royale, at number 9, Good Boys, Still in the top 10 at number 8, Toy Story 4. At number 7, we've got the crocodile alligator craziness of Crawl. At number 6, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. At number 5, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. At number 4, Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Still doing it as well At number 3 The Lion King Dropping down to number 2 We got Once Upon a Time In Hollywood And straight in at number 1 Angel Has Fallen Okay So this week we just got one Film A documentary But we've also got A Coverage of the um, the the program launch for the BFI London Film Festival, the 63rd. So, um, yeah, you know what I mean. It's gonna be another fun episode, people. So, um, let's get into some of the stuff, right? Okay, people. Um, this one's for all the horror fans. The Mastonic Institute of Horror Studies, London, announces its full lineup of lectures and events. Okay, so the Mastonic Institute of Horror Studies, the world's longest-running educational organisation devoted to the study of horror history, Theory and production is pleased to announce its full two thousand and nineteen lineup of classes led by some of the genres world's most renowned critical literary and filmmaking luminaries. The miskatonic London unleashes a heady fall semester that includes bad trips and psychedelia in the acid horror of the late 60s and early 70s. The Corridor as a locus of angst and dread in horror film and fiction adaptations and mutations of The Thing, and a career talk by filmmaker Gary Sherman, moderated by filmmaker Sean Hogan, in collaboration with Wales Arbitoire film festivals. All classes at the regular branches are standalone events. Think a TED Talk, but with booze and horror. Though people can opt to buy a season pass for a discounted price. All information will be in the details of this episode. Okay, so, you know, um, this will be taking place at the Horse Hospital, uh, which is um, in Bloomsbury. So you've got advance tickets of £12 on the door. They're £15. Um, and the in-conversation events are £17. In advance, £20 on the door. You can get a season pass, which is four classes for £45. So, um, yes. Go to um, Go to the episode and you can find out. All of the, uh, you know, all the effort, when all of this takes place. But I'll give you the dates. So Thursday, the twelfth of September, seven till ten. The bad trip. Uh, this is psychedelic horror cinema, nineteen sixty-seven to nineteen seventy-two, and the instructor is James Riley. Then Thursday the twenty fourth of October seven till ten the Corridor Gothic with um instructor Roger Lockhurst and then Monday the eighteenth seven till ten live from the Missatonic Gary Sherman in Conversation moderated by Sean Hogan uh so um yeah I think that's, um, oh, and there's Thursday, the 12th of December, 7 till 10. Things from other worlds, adapting, transforming and translating the thing. Instructor, Laura May. So, uh, yeah, people, they're all your dates. Now go to the episode for all the information and the links. Okay, so this week um, I watched Ask Dr. Ruth, um, which is a documentary that follows, uh, well she's 91 now, but at the time it was leading up to her 90th birthday, Um, and yeah, it follows the sex therapist, uh, Dr. Ruth Westheimer, Um, it's fascinating. It really was a, you know, not sure what to expect, but it it was a fascinating uh, documentary. Um, So this is the, uh, this is all the premise, you know, uh, from director Ryan White. Uh, He directed the documentary The Keeper, which is on Netflix comes Ask Dr. Ruth, a compelling documentary that chronicles the life of Dr. Ruth Westheimer, a Holocaust survivor who became America's most famous sex therapist. With her diminutive frame, thick German accent, and uninhibited approach to sex therapy and education, Dr. Ruth transformed the conversation around sexuality. As she approaches her 90th birthday and shows no signs of slowing down, Dr. Ruth revisits her painful past and likely path to a career at the forefront of the sexual revolution. Which, look, we didn't get, you know, her shows in the UK, but you always knew who she was. You know, it's it's one of those crazy things. It's like there's certain people that kind of transcend barriers, you know, transcend borders, who you don't have to be in the same country, you don't have to have seen any of their stuff, but you instinctively know who they are, you know, and yeah, Doctor Ruth was one of those people you know um yeah this documentary so it we really do get an insight into who she is you know and and what she's about and it's very intriguing it's very intriguing it's like you know she's very um forthright which is always a good thing you know, you always want to be around people that will just speak the truth. You know what I mean? Sugarcoating, that's some bullshit, right? You just want to know what the deal is. And she seems one of those people. But one of the things that really sticks out, really sticks out. So, you know, all the camera people, her drivers, all of those people. Like, you always hear it going, oh, did, were you fed? Are you okay? do you need anything, do you need food, do you need, and it's just like, like, so without anything else, without all the other stuff that you see, just that, just that little, those little bits of interaction help inform you into the kind of person she is, which is a bit like, you know, I, I was just thinking, that's just nice. It's a nice thing, because most people don't give a fuck. You mean? Know, people look down on, you know, drivers and helpers and things like that. You know, I'm important. I don't need to fuck around with you little people. But yeah, just her asking those questions, that that was just nice for me. I was like, yeah, that's good, that's cool. But yeah, we like was as I said. Look, I knew not. I all I knew was she was this um really well known sex therapist so there was nothing else. So it was fascinating like finding out her past. You know, because yeah at the age of ten her parents had to send her away. You know? So she they put her on a train out of Germany. Because they'd heard about the fact that, hey, this on this one train, they were letting children, young children leave the country for Switzerland. You know what I mean, it seemed like it was a one time only deal, so they were just like, "Hey, you know, we don't know what's happening with us, but we gotta protect our little girl. You know, she was an only child, so they packed her up on this train and sent her away. Well, at the time, it was just her mum and her grandmum, because her dad had been picked up by the Nazis. So, we, you know, you're finding all of this stuff out, and it's just like, oh, shit, you know? We, it's like this crazy thing. And, you know, it, it's it's like, it's not a news story. Like, we, we've definitely heard of stuff like this, but it's just even though you know what happened and you know the situation, it's always uh, it's always upsetting to hear this shit, you know what I mean? And especially it's like the so the, the children's home that they went to in Switzerland. You're like, oh that's nice. They took they took these kids in. But it was just like the, the you know, the Jewish kids were treated as second class, you know, so they had to Look after the other children. Clean the place. You know, just do all the all all, all the, the the slave labor, as it were. So that's what they were. They were slave labor in this children's home, which is crazy. And then the, the you know the woman that was running the home would tell them, "Oh, if I had a kid, I'd never." let them, you know, I wouldn't have sent them away, obviously your parents didn't love you, and it's just like how mean can you be you know, and, and the crazy thing about it, everyone around this, this woman this Swiss woman, probably thought she was, oh so incredible for taking in these children, such a lovely person, you know but, really, she's a cunt. You know what I mean? There's no other... Hey, there's no sugar coat in it. She was a cunt. But how many people like that do you know? Right? Who have this... Put on this facade that they're a good person. But they're not a good person. It's all for show. It's all for show. But I'm sure in her head, she was like, Oh, I'm doing a nice thing. But, hey... There's layers to this shit, right? you know it, it it's not just do opening your door for someone because you can open your door, but just treat them like shit you you're you're not a good person, you know, so bringing the kids in that was that was really good, and especially for that time, you know, in the culture, but to then make them feel terrible to make them feel like they're not wanted to try and make them feel that they're not loved to make them do all of the all of the work that's not nice that's not nice at all you know so um yeah like we 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 follow all of this stuff so you know once the war's over this the kids are then put on another train now they've got no country. so they're sent to the um is in Palestine. So you know, kibbutz, it's just an internment camp essentially. Like we're seeing them now. like these things never go away. you know, like now it's big because the, you know w- w- we're having them you know, like on the on the kind of borders of America. You know, we have them in France with the refugees trying to come across. You know, they're there, but they've always been there. These things don't go. You know, so the kids are there. And, um, yeah, we kind of get an insight into her life out there. Which, again, like, some of the stuff you learn, you just think what (laughs) you know did you look at her now is that's the thing so the the documentary kind of intercuts with her like talking you know sometimes at a table sometimes walking you know but she's kind of telling us this stuff Um, then you get um, this animation so this is kind of a cartoon that shows her as a kid, you know, in the children's home or getting on the train in Germany. And so we, we, you know, so we have that. Then sometimes there's pictures. And so you're, you're getting all of this. And it's like, so you're hearing this story, sometimes seeing the cartoons, sometimes just seeing enough image. Then it cuts back to her now. And at the time, she's this little 89-year-old, <laughs> you know, woman. And you're just like, whoa, you're like, you were a sniper? What? What? You know, it's insane. Like, some of the stuff that you find out about her, it's crazy. Um, And yeah, so we're learning all of this, how she met her first husband, you know, that situation... Then she meets her second, you know, and then her actual third, who she says, um Hank, what did she say? Her first two marriages were just legalized affairs and her last was actual true love. You know, that's kinda nice. And it's you you just think it's nice when someone actually meets that person, you know It's, it's just like Because we're always told, you know, there's the one But there's many the ones But not everyone will meet that, that special person So it's nice when you realise that someone has You know, so that was nice So you get that insight And it's just then we're looking at her career and how she became Doctor Ruth. You know? Like, um so she's studying and she gets you know a degree in sexual health. So she she's kind of helping people, but then she kind of is getting asked questions on premature ejaculation and masturbation and things and she just realizes oh i don't know the answers to these things so she realizes oh she needs to study more so she goes and studies under um the 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 only you know female sex therapist of the time so she goes and studies with her um, and she's there for seven years, you know She then works for the lady And Yeah, um, someone approached the, You know, that the university Asking for, for Someone to come and talk But, because it wasn't paying She's like, no one wanted to do it But she was just like, eh, fuck it, I'll do it And Yeah, she went and gave this talk And from doing that talk a a woman that was there worked on a radio station so she's just like oh shit just heard this 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 lady with this crazy thick german accent talk i think it would make a radio show so that's how she got the ra- first radio show and they used to pre-record because, you know, they're a bit like, ah, can we air this, you know? So they'd pre-record on a Thursday. It would go out Sunday at 12 midnight. Then they realized that everyone in the building would stop what they're doing and listen to Dr. Rufa called the show. And then the listening figures from the the actual airing was like more than any other show So then they went live And it just all blew up from there Which is really interesting, you know And I think the thing about it is, right So what you kind of get from her, as I said before It's this frankness This just, I'm gonna just say what it is yeah, you know, but you have people, you know, like um, oh, so the thingy will go in the, uh, you know, the lady cave, and oh, you know, but she's just like yeah, the penis in the vagina, you know, they have intercourse, blah blah blah, and it's a frankness that you need because, like, why why use these weird names? Like you hear people go, oh, that's your nu nu, and it's just like you know when they're talking to their kids, and it's just like, hey. You know, if you don't actually use proper terminology, people are going to get these weird complexes about stuff. So, yeah, I think, and at the time, you have to remember at the time. So that's 1981 that she first started doing the radio show. So people weren't talking like that. You know, you just remember the stuff that you'd see on TV, there were there was none of, you know there was no real sex on t v there was no one talking frankly about sex or anything like that. So to have someone talk about the things that you're thinking about, that must have been so big, so huge, so revolutionary at that time, so you can kind of understand how. How all of this just grew, how it became what it is, you know, and like what I think she's four seven, right? So having this little four foot seven woman talk like this, as they'd call her, um, America's grandma, so you'd have this little old woman. Talk like this With this thick German accent People just like Huh Well this is crazy right And I think the other thing As well Because of her size Because of all of that She's unthreatening. she's not Intimidating To people So it allows her into rooms and situations that other people wouldn't be allowed into, you know? (laughs) Because imagine, right, at that time, someone the size of, like, Shaquille O'Neal trying to do a talk show on set. That would not have happened for many reasons, right? Yeah, there's many reasons why but one of the one of the reasons is would definitely be yo that dude's intimidating you know so yeah for her to get this opportunity and then just run with it cuz this is the other thing that you see she's always working always trying to do stuff pushing Things you know, not happy just to be like, Oh, so we did that, all right, what next? how can we grow this? how can we you know, and it's that attitude, it's that attitude that will will take things to the next level will will propel someone, and the fact, yo she's eighty nine in this right, and she's still doing all of that shit, yeah because you know but look she's 89 and still doing because she keeps her mind active because she's thirsty but she wants to people to learn and understand and grow that's huge it's like we it showed her like at the time there was footage of her you know being one of the first and only people really talking about um the gay community and um the HIV Kind of epidemic that suddenly came up, you know. So she's talking frankly about this and just talking about it in a way that's not trying to ostracize people, you know, not trying to vilify, you know, gay people about, oh, yes, they created this. They, you know, I mean, they're carriers and ah, they're devils and all of this. She's frankly talking about it. And it's just like, it's things like that. It's people being prepared to have the conversations that helps people understand and learn, that helps break stigmas, you know, lets people understand what this is, how it actually affects people. And that's big. That's really important. So, um, yeah, this is it's just a fascinating documentary And then amongst all of this We see her, you know, so she, we see her go to Switzerland And we see her go to Palestine And so she's visiting a lot of the places Like where she grew up And where she had certain experiences And stuff like that Like, yeah, she goes to this gun collector in Palestine you know, so then we hear about her becoming a sniper And she go visits the building where she had, you know, a bomb went off And nearly, yeah, I mean, well, it killed people around her You know, so, and she was severely injured So we learn about this And, you know, so we're, we're finding all this stuff about her along the way as she's meeting, like she went and met her first boyfriend, and, like, her childhood friend, and just all of these other people. So, yeah, it's a fascinating documentary. It gives you a really good insight into, yeah, Dr. Ruth. Like, you know, what she what she's about. I mean, we have, a, like, her kids are on it. Her grandkids are on it. So you kind of find out. all right. so how was she at home. You know what kind of things did she talk about. Like did she tell you about sex. Like so all of this. So obviously look. You know. All these kind of documentaries. They can only show you so much. You know. And it's kind of edited as well. So you know. Are we actually getting. The full insight into who these people are. But. Look, as I said, because it shows you the way she was interacting with the drivers and the security and all of that, I think you do get a good sense of her drive and who she is. And it's fascinating. So I would say that this is definitely worth checking out. So if you're in the States, I believe this is airing on Hulu. Um, If not, Okay, so it's available um, as on a digital download from the 9th of September, and on DVD and Blu-ray from the 16th of September. So, um, yeah, all of that information will be in the uh, details of this episode. But, listen, I, I yeah, it's fascinating. Like, I don't know, so in in places, it may seem a little long, sometimes it's like 100 minutes, right? So an hour and 40 minutes, but it is interesting, you know, it is really interesting with what we learn and, and, you know, how we see things. And just the information that you pick up, you know, from the times and all of that. So, yeah, it's definitely, um, I'd say it's definitely worth checking out, okay? So, um, yeah, that's Ask Dr. Roof from director Ryan White. Okay, people, so, some really big news. Um... Yeah, so it's the 63rd BFI London Film Festival, in partnership with American Express, has just announced its full program. So, during the festival, um, there will be 229 feature films from some of the world's greatest filmmakers and emerging talent. It will be on for 12 days, from the 2nd to the 13th of October. Uh, The the LFF will celebrate the diverse landscape of international cinema, showcasing films set to entertain, inspire, provoke debate, and tackle the urgent issues of our time. Amanda Neville, CEO of the BFI, said... At this moment when the UK is adapting and reshaping our place in the world, the BFI London Film Festival really underlines the soft power of the art of film and showcases the dynamism of global exchange and partnership. All the BFI's cultural programs from BFI Southbank to BFI Player have sought to be an active champion at the heart of the global cinema story. And this, this year's London Film Festival. Does this so powerfully. With it's incredibly rich and diverse program. And the international filmmaking community. Who love being here. Tricia Tuttle. Who's um, BFI London Film Festival director said. In it's 63rd year. BFI London Film Festival. Is one of the world's great Public film fests and that greatness comes from the fact that we serve one of the most vibrant and international cities in the world and welcome vicarious, adventurous and cine-literate audiences. While there are many talking points emerging from this year's programme, a few really leap out. The strong instinct from filmmakers to explore urgent social and political issues through narrative and often through the use of genre. The striking emergence of a new generation of filmmakers exploding onto the international stage with startling, bold, original and ambitious debuts. The continuing and welcome trend of increased gender balance in directing talent behind Um, short film first and second features and while we're so delighted to see back from 78 from work from 78 countries in the festival we also love welcoming a particularly exceptional new wave of UK based filmmakers with cracking first and second features in the London Film Festival So, um, as Britain's leading cinema event and one of the world's most important film festivals, the programme offers UK audiences the chance to see some of the most anticipated films from around the globe, including a host of new works destined to be major award contenders. This is October. The festival will present 28 world premieres. 12 international premieres and 28 European premieres, welcoming an impressive lineup of first class filmmakers and acting talent. The programme presents stories from a broad range of voices, continuing to support both homegrown cinema and international productions. 78 countries are represented across short films and features with 40% of all films directed or co-directed by women. The festival continues to act as a launch pad for debut filmmakers often supporting them throughout their career. Demonstrated by returning festival alumni, in this year's program, the 229 feature films screening include 41 documentaries, 7 animations, 13 archive restorations, and 7 artists' moving image features. The program also includes 116 short films. The competitive sections serve to recognize remarkable creative achievements from British and international filmmakers winners are selected by hand-picked juries across four categories official competition first feature documentary and short film last year audiences were placed at the heart of the award celebrations for the first time when the winning film from each section was presented to the public as a surprise screening following the on-stage announcement of the winner building on last year's sellout success audience will once again have the chance to buy tickets to these award screenings and be part of the proceedings this year sees the return of Odeon's iconic flagship cinema the redesigned Odeon Lux Leicester Square each night of the festival a headline garner will screen in flawless 4k projection with pitch-perfect Dolby Atmos sound. Lux recliners offer space and comfort ensuring every seat in the 800-seater venue is the best in the house. Films in official competition will be presented at The View West End and once again the festival's beautiful 800-seat purpose-built venue. in Embankment Garden Cinema Will be housed in the tranquil Surroundings of Victoria Embankment Gardens So um, Alongside the gala Special presentations and films In competition the festival Will show a range of new world cinema In sections Love, debate, laugh Dare, thrill Cult, journey Create, Experimentia. And family, which provide pathways for audiences to navigate the extensive programme. Cinema goers across the UK will have the opportunity to be part of the closing night celebrations with simulcast screenings of Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, bringing the excitement of the Leicester Square premiere to cinemas nationwide, continuing the festival's offering. To audiences outside of London. Screenings of free new films. Will be brought to young film lovers. With curated screenings. Across the UK. For primary and secondary schools. As part of the LFF. Education program. Um, so yeah. Like. The. Um, opening and closing night. Galas. Have been announced. So, this will be, um, opening night will be the personal history of David Copperfield. And, as mentioned, the closing night gala is The Irishman. The American Express gala is Knives Out. And, um, yeah, that is, um, they're three impressive films. Um, So, yeah, people, I think that's... Oh, actually, let's go through um, these, right? So, um, we have the, the American Express Gala and its European premiere of Knives Out. So, we have that, which is a fresh take on a classic whodunit written and directed by Ryan Johnson, known for Brick Looper and um, the Star Wars film. <laughs> it's a stylish tribute to mystery mastermind Agatha Christie. Nimes Out is a fun modern advent, modern day ad- murder mystery where everyone is a suspect. When renowned crime novelist Harlan Thornberry uh, is found dead at his estate just after his 85th birthday, the inquisitive and debonair detective Bois Noir Blanc is mysteriously enlisted to investigate. A witty delight for film fans. The film features a star-studded cast that includes Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna De Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Catherine Langford and Christopher Plummer. Uh, the film will premiere on Tuesday the 8th of October. The Mayor of London's Gala sees Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne and Academy Award nominee Felicity Jones reunite as on-screen as aerial explorers in *The Aeronauts*, this heart-racing adventure story directed by longtime festival favorite Tom Harper, um, who did *Wild Rose* from last year's festival, and written by Jack Fawn. The scouting book for boys, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, captures the audacity and romance of the Victorian race into the air, with special effects that will transport you to the skies, as we follow Amelia Wren, played by Jones, and James Glacier, played by Redmayne, on Mankind's Highest Ever Balloon Voyage. Starring Academy Award winner Tom Hanks as beloved television entertainer Fred Rogers, the Fight Patrons Gala, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, sees director Marielle Heller return to the festival after premiering her second feature, Can You Ever Forgive Me, last year. The film is the perfect antidote for uneasy times and will melt the coldest hearts. Matthew Reese is excellent as magazine writer Lloyd Vogel, um, who is commissioned to write an article on The Presenter regarding Rogers as a monolith of an unfashionable past. He asks, could anyone really be so good, so kind? But on spending more time with Rogers, Vogel begins to question his own misanthropic outlook. British director Michael Winterbottom, The Trip, The Wedding Guest, brings his sharp-tongued and timely satire in the headline gala, European premiere of Greed. The film stars Steve Coogan as Richard Greedy McCready, a high street retail tycoon who throws a lavish Rome-themed 60th birthday bash to prove he's still on top after recent sp- bat of fraud investigations. As guests start arriving, including McCready's ex-wife who's played by Isla Fisher, his empire starts to fall apart at the seams. Featuring a vast ensemble cast that includes Shirley Henderson and David Mitchell. This entertaining and anarchotic farce pits humour against the 1%. Celebrated screenwriter William Nicholson, Les Miserables, Gladiator, Shadowlands directs Annette Bening and Bill Nye in the headline gala Hope Gap, a witty divorce drama that depicts a couple in their 60s as they face the end of their marriage after 29 years. Josh O'Connor plays their son who discovers on returning to his parents' bohemian Coastal home for the weekend That his father has had enough And his bags are packed Shot with a ravishing sense of design and colour Making the most of its lush English coastline This is an emotional astute portrait Of a marriage of regrets uncovered Decisions made too late And the, the procrastination of hope um, Tahiti Watiti's Jojo Rabbit will receive its European premiere in this exuberant and satirical headline gala. Jojo is a game, if somewhat inept, member of the Hitler Youth. His closest friend and imaginary Adolf Hitler, who Watiti plays... When he discovers his mother, Scarlett Johansson, has been hiding a young Jewish girl um, in their house. Jojo must go to war with his own conscience, tackling the ludicrousness of racism and nationalism. Watiti has also crafted a film of great emotional charge and tenderness. Amongst an illustrious cast of comic greats including Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, Stephen Merchant and um, Johansson dazzle on screen with one of her most charismatic performances. Um, this year's American Airlines Gala, the UK premiere of The King stars Timothy Chalamont in David McCoy's um, visceral portrait of Henry V, the startling transformation undertaken by Hal in Shakespeare's Henryoid series, from the fun-loving prince into the all-powerful monarch, is one of literature's most acute character studies. Here, Machoid and Co-screenwriter and star Joel Edgington adapt those texts to explore how a reluctant monarch took the crown and found himself embroiled in the very same wars he despised his father for. The superbly talented supporting cast includes Lily Ross Depp as Catherine, future Queen of England, Ben Mendelsohn as Henry Fourth. And Robert Patterson as a particularly spicy Dauphin, heir to the French throne. Matt Damon and Christian Bale starring the UK premiere of Le Mans 66. A study of friendship that shaped the 1960s motor racing brimming with old school Hollywood charm. Working from an excellent script by Jez and John Henry Butterworth. Director James Mangold hooks you from the first scene and never lets go. The Mayfair Hotel Gala is Marriage Story. Directed by Noah Badenbaal, um And starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. As an ill-fated couple who are married. Have a son and run a theatre company together. Arguably Badenbaugh's most personal film to date. Marriage Story charts the unravelling of their marriage, often with bitter hilarity. In even the most desolate scenes, back and bow shoots on gorgeous 35mm with a 1.66 aspect ratio that foregrounds performances, often with startling long takes. So, um, yeah people... I think that's, um, yeah, I think we will leave it there. But, um, hey, I think this year's London Film Festival is definitely one not to be missed. So, I would definitely say be, um, be aware and be ready for when those ticket lines open so you can go and grab tickets to all the films that you would like to see. So um yeah hit the BFI website look through mark down all those ones that you you fancy and um yeah be ready man because some of these films sell out crazy fast right so it's definitely a good time to um join and become a member just so you can beat some of that craziness okay so um yeah enjoy and, uh, might see you at the, um, London Film Festival. So, keeping with the, um, the London Film Festival theme. So, they had the, um, the program presentation for members and champions this evening. So, I went on to that. And a few films caught my eye while there. So, this is just a, um, you know I mean? Just a first glance kind of situation. But um, I was kind of intrigued by Peanut Butter Falcon. So this, the spirit of Mark Twain lives on in this effortlessly charming buddy movie about a young man in pursuit of his dreams. Now this um, first shows on the 3rd of October at Embankment Garden Cinema. And then it will be playing on the 4th and the 11th. Uh, Then there was The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Director Joe Talbot and writer-performer Jimmy Fails create a gorgeous, gorgeous, inventive meditation on art, architecture, black culture, and gentrification in California's Bay Area. This um premieres on the fourth of October at Curves on Mayfair. Then it's showing on the fifth and the eleventh. Um, then there was Real, which is um, Aki Omshabi's earnest debut explores the love between two people. Who work hard to keep their romance on track. While struggling to manage personal hardships. And this um, this first shows on the 6th of October. And then. Uh, so that's at the View West End. And then it will be playing on the 8th. Okay. So then there was Premature. Budding writer. Anya's life is transformed over the course of one hot Harlem summer When a handsome and mysterious stranger walks into her life So this will be showing on the 5th of October at The View West End And then Monday the 7th Then we have Loose this gripping psychological thriller about subjectivity and code switching in modern America marks Julius Onas as one of cinema's most thrilling emerging voices. And this will be first showing on Sunday, the 6th of October at The View West End. Uh, then there's another screening later on the same day, and then Monday, the 7th. Then we've got Eternal Beauty. Sally Hawkins is a schizophrenic woman coping with a a hallucinatory existence in Craig Roberts Bold, sometimes hilarious and disturbing, exploration of mental illness. So this will be first showing on Tuesday the 8th of October at the BFI South Bank, then Wednesday the 9th. Uh, There was also Greed. Steve Coogan dazzles as the Da Vinci of deal-making in Michael Winterbottom's sharp-tongued satire on corporate greed. So, this first shows on Wednesday the 9th of October at the Odeon Lux Leicester Square. Um, Then again later that day. Then the 10th and then the 13th. We then have The King which is David McCods explores a different kind of animal kingdom with Timothy Chalamet starring in this stunning visceral portrait of Henry V. This will be um, debuting on the 3rd of October at the Odeon Luxe, Leicester Square, then later on the same day, then Friday the 4th and Sunday the 6th. There was also Hope Gap. Annette Benning and Bill Nye star as a couple on The Rocks in this witty divorce drama. Directed by celebrated screenwriter William Nicholson. Um, so this will be uh, debuting on Friday the 4th of October at the Embankment Garden Cinema. Um, then it's showing this a bit later that same day. Then Saturday the 5th. And Sunday the 6th. And then there was Jojo Rabbit. Uh, Taka Watifi delivers an exuberant and irreverent comedy about challenging dogma and hate. So this one first airs on Saturday the 5th of October. Odeon Lux, Square. Again... A bit later that same day, then Sunday the sixth and Monday the 7th. We've also got Marriage Story, which I haven't made my mind up about. Um, So, in a career full of remarkable high points, um, here is another dizzying high from Noah Backenbaugh. It's also his most personal yet. So this um, will be on Sunday the 6th at the Odeon Lux, Leicester Square. A bit later that same day, Monday the 7th, we've got two showings. And then Sunday the 13th. But yes, not quite sure. It's Adam Driver. I haven't made up my mind how I find him. So I don't know. But I am a big fan of Noah's films, so I probably will. So we had those ones, obviously, um, there was The Irishman, which I also really want to see, um, but yeah, I think that was my first glance of films that I thought, ooh, I think possibly these, so I'm going to go through the program, and, uh, next week I will, um, put out my final list of what I will be, uh, Looking to check for But yeah That's it man But um yes Check out the program You don't want to miss anything What's going down people So yes It's that time again We're reaching the end of another episode I hope you've um Enjoyed it You know remember to check the episode details For all the links and whatnot. So let's get into a bit of film news before we bounce. Okay, so in some news that caught a lot of people off guard. Netflix just revealed that um, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, will be hitting um, on the 11th of October. Yup. That's right, and it's um, a direct sequel to the TV show Which is, um, yeah, interesting, right? Uh, So, um, what we know is Vince Gilligan Who uh, wrote the TV show uh, He wrote and directed this film And... The synopsis is... In the wake of his dramatic escape from captivity... Jesse must come to terms with his past... In order to forge some kind of future. And... Um, yeah. The other, only other thing we know is... Aaron Paul is reprising his role. But we don't know who else is appearing... Or anything like that. So... That means... I've got a short amount of time To actually finish watching The Breaking Bad TV series So um, yeah I better get to that Um, As mentioned In Echoes from the Void Hey it was D23 Expo Last week And a lot of news was Dropped So on the film side of things Pixar revealed um, a couple of films, one called Soul, which is from director Pete Doctor, who, um, who did Up, wall and Inside Out. Uh, it's a cartoon about metaph- metaphysics, which also has a jazz theme to it. Uh, The story follows Joe Gardner, a middle school teacher who always wanted to play jazz. He auditions on piano at a famous jazz club and shortly after winds up falling down a manhole. In the film, souls are trained at the U seminar. Once ready, souls graduate and go into the world. After the accident, Joe's Soul ends up back at the U seminar where he meets Soul 22, who has never made it to Earth after hundreds of years. The storyline follows the pair's attempts to get Joe back to Earth. Um and yeah, it's got um yeah, it's got a big cast. So Jamie Foxx is Joe, Tina Fey is Soul 22. Felicia Rashad is Joe's mother. And Questlove is Curly. And David Diggs is Paul. So, yeah. Um, Music is from John Batiste. And Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So, the other film announced... Uh, from Pixar, is Onward, which has been um, it's set in a modern fantasy world that tells a story of two elf brothers, uh, which are played by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Um, so yeah, it's directed by Dan Scanlon. And um, he says that the film is a personal journey drawing from his relationship between him and his own brother growing up without a father. So, um, yeah. You know, that's pretty... um, They sound interesting, right? Also, um, a Disney animation film was revealed uh, called Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, So Adele Lim is penning the Southeast Asia inspired fantasy adventure which will use themes and designs from the region with filmmakers trying to infuse um, it with authenticity. Paul Briggs and Dane Wellins are attached to direct and the story is said to be a blend of classic Disney and Kung Fu movies and is set in a mysterious land called Kumandra the region is split into five sections and Raya is a warrior on the search for the last dragon to save everyone so um, yeah that's um that's the D23 expo news also um, and finally netflix have announced the release of a number of films that you know for them are um, you know they they they're award level films they feel so um yeah think first up is The Laundromat, which is from Steve S- Soddenborough. This will be coming out in cinemas on the 27th and will be streaming from the 18th of S- October. So um, it's an ensemble drama starring Gary Oldman, Meryl Streep, Antonio Banderas and Jeffrey Wright. And deals with the infamous Panama Papers scandal. We next have... um, A uh, Craig Brewer film. Um, And this is Dolomite Is My Name. It's hitting cinemas on the 4th of October. And it's streaming from the 25th of October. So, this is... um, an Eddie Murphy film. It's an AR-rated comedy. And it's looking at um, the uh, the rise of Rudy Ray Moore. And his on-screen persona Dolomite. We next have The King. Which is um, from David Mitchodds. Um, and This will be hitting cinemas on the 11th of October and streaming from the 1st of November. It's adapting parts of The Henriad and it stars Timothy Chalamot, Joel Edrington and Robert Patterson and Sean Harris, Lily Rose Depp and Ben Mendelsohn. We next have Earthquake Bird. Which is, um, this is from, uh, Wash Westmoreland. Um, so he wrote and directed it. And it's starring Alicia Vikander. And tells the story of a woman involved in an intense relationship with a photographer in 1989 tokyo okay so we next have the irishman which is the new film from martin scorsese it's hitting cinemas on the 1st of november and it's um streaming from the 27th okay so this was a big budget 159 million dollar It's a crime film about Frank Sheeran, the hitman who maintains ties with the Buffalinian crime family and claims to have killed fellow teamster Jimmy Hoffa. It's starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesky, and Jimmy Norton. Okay, we next have um, Marriage Story. Um... Yeah, this is from Noah Bambach. Who, um... Yeah, I really like his films. So this is hitting cinemas on the sip of November. Streaming from the sip of December. It's starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, and it's about a bitter divorce which aims to view the story from both sides. Uh, so then we have Claws... Which will be hitting cinemas on the 8th of November. And streaming from the 15th of November. It's from Sergio Pablos. And it's um, an animated feature. It follows a postman. Who is posted to a frozen town in the north. Where he discovers Santa Claus is hiding out. It's got a voice cast of rashida jones jk simmons joan kuzak and jason schwartzman then we've got i lost my body which is hitting cinemas on the 15th of november and streaming from the 29th of november it's from jeremy clapin it's um another animated feature Uh, Which is uh, said to be a dark comedic French affair. Um, And it follows a severed hand that escapes from a dissection lab. Determined to find its body again. Hmm. Okay, so we then have Atlantic's, Which is hitting cinemas on the 15th of November and streaming from the 29th of November. Um. So it's from uh, Matty De Poops It's a supernatural romantic drama About a group of Senegal Construction workers Who head out to sea In search of an opportunity Amongst them Lovers who must deal With the fact one is betrothed To another man And finally The two popes Which is hitting cinemas on the 27th of November And streaming from the 20th of December And this is from Fernando Um, Yeah Uh, So it's an amusing chamber piece In which Pope Benedict XVI Who's played by Anthony Hopkins Debates with his progressive incoming successor Pope Francis who's played by Jonathan Price As to the best path forward for the Catholic Church Alright people so yep this has been another episode of Echo Chamber I think next week I will be dropping my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood So um, yes next week all right so i'll catch you um then all right people peace